This is Good Together, the podcast that inspires you to create change in the world every day. Keep listening for actionable tips and tricks to incorporate eco-friendly practices into your daily life. We've been featured by Apple as the number one podcast for conscious consumers, and we can't wait to welcome you into our community of changemakers. I'm Lisa. And I'm Laura. We're the founders of Brightly.eco, the new platform for conscious consumers. We believe in supporting all creatures, great and small. And our team of experts show you how to live and shop responsibly by sharing world-changing lifestyle ideas, products, and more. To read show notes from Good Together and to browse all of the planet-friendly goodness that we feature, head to brightly.eco slash podcast. And to help spread the word about the podcast, tap on this episode and share Good Together with your friends and family. A simple text message helps us grow and create change around the world. Have you ever looked at your home and said, I just can't deal with all of this stuff? Today's guest, Stephanie Safarian, can relate. As a new mom, she struggled with the amount of baby gear filling up her small apartment, so she decided to do something about it and turned to minimalism. Now, she teaches about the intersection of minimalism and sustainability on her podcast, Sustainable Minimalists. On this episode of Good Together, she's sharing her best tips to becoming a minimalist and why now is the best time to switch to a decluttered lifestyle. For show notes, visit brightly.eco slash podcast. Hi, Stephanie. Welcome to Good Together. Hi, thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. Of course, yeah, we are looking forward to chat with you about all things minimalism, and I personally will be learning a lot from you. <laughs> I am so excited for this episode. I told Lisa I am a hopeful minimalist, so I try to practice as much mindful consumption as I can, um, but I don't know if I would ever give myself the label necessarily, but anyway, love what you do and love the um, energy and inspiration you bring to your audience of conscious consumers. Thank you. So we would we'll start from the beginning, and uh, we'd love to uh, introduce you to our audience. And can you briefly explain what you do and how, uh, and especially maybe also mention uh, what minimalism really means to you personally? Sure. So my name is Stephanie Safarian. I am the host of the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast, which is a show all about minimalism but more specifically how min how minimalism is a really great way to be eco-friendly. I am a mother of two young daughters. I live with my family just outside of Boston and I am a soon to be author of a book all on sustainable minimalism. So I think you asked me what is minimalism to me. Minimalism yeah. to me well, I guess I should back up and say that minimalism is different for everybody, right? Mm -hmm. There's no one size fits all definition for everyone. Absolutely. But for me, minimalism is an intentional and conscious choice to pare down 
whatever is unnecessary so that I can live more fully with the people who matter and the things that I need. Okay, that makes sense. No, and we love to say that there is like whenever we talk about different aspects of living uh, more eco-friendly or sustainability, it's it's very rarely when there is all one answer for everyone. Everyone kind of chooses their own sustainability or in this case, minimalism journey, right? Right. Stephanie, how how did you start your sustainability and minimalism journey? Can you share with us uh, like when, uh, how long ago you started your blog and what was um, th- that journey like? Yeah, so this is a long story. So I hope your listeners are buckled up, <laughs> ready for a six-year journey. Uh, <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> it basically started shortly after I became a mother. I, My husband and I were living in a 800 square foot apartment in Boston. It was a tiny two bedroom box, basically. Mm -hmm. And with the addition of a new baby, she brought with her um, a lot of stuff. And I have wonderful friends and family. I love them to death, but they just not only gifted her things, but I would say over gifted her. At one point, I looked in her closet, and this is not an exaggeration. She had like over a hundred frilly dresses and mom's wow. listening. No, no, that <laughs> like no mom is putting their infant in frilly dresses. They're wearing <laughs> zip up onesies. And I felt significant anxiety over the sorting, the organizing, the keeping clean and the finding places to put all this stuff. Um, not just the clothes, obviously. There were the toys, there was the big items, the gear, and I just really felt suffocated in, in our home. And so I decided that's it. I need to become a minimalist. And I did what most millennials in the 21st century do. I went online mm-hmm. and I joined some Facebook groups. I joined some minimalist oh, Facebook groups, of course, right? And um these groups gave me incredible motivation, right? To not just declutter the frilly dresses, but to really um, take decluttering to all all aspects of my home, every room, really. But uh, what these groups didn't give me was like the eco-friendly side. So I, it really, really ruffled my feathers when like people would talk about just like, trashing all this perfectly good stuff and sending it to the curb to go to the landfill. And that really, really bothered me. And Mm -hmm. so I thought to myself, well, maybe I'm not a minimalist. Maybe I'm an environmentalist. (laughs) And so (laughs) I joined all the like zero waste groups on Facebook. And in those groups, I got an education. Like I learned everything under the sun that I needed to know to practice eco-friendly living in my home. But something was missing there too. And what it was, was um, like, everything seemed to be either black or white or right or wrong. And I didn't feel like as a new mom, I could always be on the right side of eco-friendly living. I didn't think I could just be, you know, perfectly sustainable at all times. And so I searched for a place on the internet that kind of hit the minimalism side but more specifically had an eco-friendly slant to it. And I just couldn't, so this was maybe three or four years now ago that I actually really dove deep into sustainable minimalism. I couldn't find a place online, a space for people like me 
And so <laughs> without much thought, really not much thought at all, I just bought a domain name, uh, mamaminimalist.com. I still blog yeah. there today and uh, it was $15 and I did not put any thought into it, that decision at all. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did it. I mean, I think that's like the big takeaway here is that you were excited to get into this. You figured, what the heck, I'm going to do it. And you just did it. I mean, I think that's amazing. And actually, I want to touch on a few things you mentioned, Stephanie, because to me, it just really hits home for so many people. So like one is the cultural shift that needs to happen for more of us to live minimalist lives as we think about the gifts we get from other people. I feel like um, my husband and I, we don't have children yet, but I, my... Um, in-laws have actually literally already started buying things for like the future baby, which is so problematic on so many levels. But <laughs> I say that just because they're so excited about like the concept of giving us things for a new arrival. So while I haven't personally experienced it much, I, I totally hear you from that perspective. And I think oftentimes we mistake thoughtfulness for buying things uh, in physical form, right? Um, I think I imagine what you really would have loved from some of those folks was assistance maybe with like meal planning in the beginning or like just coming over for a coffee chat or something like that rather than needing all these frilly dresses. So um, yeah, totally identify with that. <laughs> You're right. I, you know, when when we gift things to somebody especially babies, right? It's usually to satisfy the needs and wants of the giver and not the the recipient. You know, those frilly dresses are cute. Yep. <laughs> Nobody can resist a frilly dress. But um, what a new mom really needs is a meal, like a dinner or, you know, a house cleaner to come. And we need to start changing the conversation <laughs> about we can show our love without, you know, giving a physical perfectly wrapped item. Um, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. We have a one of our most popular episodes yeah. is called How to Give Experiences Over Items. Um, and it's, it's one that we really loved recording because I absolutely agree with you on that point. And I also think too, I want to touch a little bit on the concept of downsizing and how it almost forced minimalism, um, at least maybe into your thought process, if you hadn't thought about it before. I also had the same journey where I um, had to move to a new place with my family. We ended up in a smaller apartment compared to the home that we had previously be been in. And for me, um, I got started on the journey just from a purely like utilitarian perspective, thinking through like, okay, I really don't have room for all of these things. And for once I embraced it, it found, I found it to be very freeing. So I wonder if you could talk a little bit about like the mindset that you feel like minimalism um, contributes to for, for you. Freeing is a great way to put it. Um, you know, one of the big misconceptions about minimalism is that it's just about decluttering. And that's not to say decluttering doesn't have its place in minimalism. It certainly does. Decluttering is an excellent tool for um, providing introspection into wants versus needs, right? But for me, minimalism is about having more time and more importantly, I think it would be more mental space to um, live my best life, right? Because I'm not <laughs> I'm not organizing all the stuff. I'm not cleaning all this stuff. I'm not worrying about all this stuff. I am, you know, surrounding my stuff, my excuse me, surrounding myself and my family with the essentials. So 
you know, so that, you know, I'm more present with, with my kids, especially. And I've applied, I apply minimalism to all aspects of my life. So I'm just not my like stuff or my trinkets or I apply it to my schedule. And this is a place where I think that the conversation often falls short in minimalist mm -hmm. circles. Like it was very freeing for me to realize one day that less is more with stuff, but less is more with like uh, social obligations too. So how often do we say yes to yep. an invitation or a volunteer opportunity without really thinking whether we want to go or want to participate or want to do it and want to give mm -hmm. our time and just you know, empowering myself to say no to all those things that I really just don't want to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It makes me feel free. I love it. I love how you put it. The power of no. I was like, you said it exactly how I, I was thinking. And yeah, like the common mis misconception that, um, you know, minimalism is about just decluttering and having less stuff. You you nailed it exactly. Um, well, my question, my next question is what for you personally and the way you see it, what are some main positive environmental effects of living minimally? Uh, or maybe it's not, maybe it's not just about environment can you um um go with us through that thought process you had yeah so <clears throat> i like to think of it this way mm -hmm. if if there's a minimalist listening or aspiring minimalist listening mm -hmm. who doesn't have any environmental concerns whatsoever uh just by being a minimalist and being intentional about what you bring into your home and choosing to purchase less stuff you are being profoundly eco-friendly because all goods, all goods, even the eco-friendly goods, even the ones with the certified organic label, even Absolutely. the ones that are made you know, in factories that don't pollute waterways, all of them harm the environment. And there's really three reasons. The first is in the manufacturing, right? Because manufacturing goods always demands one or more of our planet's non-renewable resources like water or fossil fuels. Um, so that's one way that stuff harms the planet, the manufacturing. The next is in the packaging materials. So even if you buy a shirt off a hanger in the store, that, that's not a zero waste <laughs> um, practice. Uh, it was still wrapped in plastic. It was still put in a box with bubble wrap and maybe some styrofoam. And then of course there's the box. So that's all real, really single use packaging waste. That's exactly. very rarely recycled, if it's even recyclable at all. And then finally, uh, there's the shipping of goods. Um, and not just when we order online, but when we go to a store, those things were shipped from probably halfway around the world. And the, the diesel burning trucks, the airplanes, they all generate carbon emissions that are warming our already quite warm planet. <laughs> if you've listened to Good Together before, you know that we like to take questions from you, our community, about all things ethical and sustainable living. Today's question comes from Mira, who wants to know a little bit more about minimalism and its impact on waste. Hi, I'm curious about how minimalism might actually lead to an increase in waste since people are getting rid of all of the items they already own. What can we do to change this? 
I love this question because it's something that I personally have struggled with a lot myself. It really feels good to declutter and cleanse your house, but what happens with all of the waste once you pitch it? Unfortunately, most clothing that you drop off at Goodwill or other donation sites actually doesn't end up in the hands of others who need it. Uh, clothing that isn't fit for resale often ends up in a landfill or is shipped overseas, which can majorly hinder the textile industries in developing countries. It also will rob locals of jobs and income. It's just not a great situation. Other, bigger home items can face similar fates, but the good news is there's something we can all do about it, which is resell and reuse. Use Craigslist, OfferUp, Poshmark, ThreadUp, or the hundreds of other apps to sell or even host an old-fashioned garage sale for your old items. When it's time for you to add new-to-you items back into your freshly cleaned home, consider shopping reused as well. This concept is related to the circular economy, and it's so important that we consume less and be creative about reusing what we already have. No, it makes sense. I mean, um, we can't, uh, you can't buy your way towards sustainability. So, you know, with Brightly, you know, there's always like, we are fortunate enough to be connecting with so many like ethical brands who are truly uh, trying to change the world. They are, you know, they're fair trade brands, they're ethical brands, they use on a recycled, uh, recycled packaging. But uh, we always uh, love to mention too, almost in every of our podcast episode, uh, just the thought that even slowing down your thought pro your thought process are like giving <laughs> more thought in terms of what you are about to buy that's the first step that you need to do and it's a very impactful step yeah and the other thing i want to mention too is there's always going to be this tension from a business owner's perspective about you know needing to create a business that in some instances, sells physical products and also wanting to inspire mindfulness um, if we're thinking about sustainable related companies. So it's definitely something that we think a lot about at Brightly. We, when we, you know, give product recommendations or brand recommendations, we make sure that we, you know, encourage thoughtfulness like Lisa just mentioned. Um, but, but it's also something that I want to kind of throw out there as something that, you know, we're working through from a Brightly perspective, but I know a lot of our partners are too. Um, to kind of go into another question that we get all the time from our listeners, I'd love to know, um, Stephanie, if you have any tips that you like to give to people who are curious about minimalism. So they approach you maybe at like a cocktail party or something. And what, you know, how do you, how do you get the um, curious consumer excited about minimalism? When people ask me, well, like, where do I start? Or <laughs> I want to dip my toes, but I don't really just want to <laughs> dive right in. I always suggest to go on a monthly, a month long, no spend challenge, right? There's no downsides to this. Um, you're only going to save money after the end of the month. And if you decide you hate like everything about buying less stuff, you can go back to your own ways and no harm is done. So a no spend month is basically just a month in which you make that conscious decision to spend money on the needs. So the food, the rent or the mortgage, the gas or whatever, whatever your, your needs are. And you put a kaputs on, on the wants. And there's a ton of benefits to this. The The big one, of course, is that it's a great way to assess your spending habits. But 
The other benefits that I felt when I went on one is that, um, you know, it allows you to get serious about your finances and your savings goals. And it shows you that all the frivolous stuff is really, you know, yep. it might feel great in the moment and you might get that awesome hit of dopamine and you purchase something, but um, you're really just sabotaging yourself in the long run. Uh, and another benefit too, is that when you seek to like, just put a pause, put a moratorium on your spending, not forever, just for a month, you get to like reacquaint yourself with the hobbies that you neglected and like the life simple pleasures, like playing a board game with your family. Like who does that anymore? Mm -hmm, exactly. <laughs> and so that's my first suggestion to people. And I also say when you're on a no spend month, it's you're going to have some free time. So it's a great time to declutter, declutter your living space. Yep. And I say, uh, start in the easiest room you can think of, which is usually for most people, the bathroom, because there's nothing sentimental really in the bathroom. Oh, right? yeah. like nobody gets upset about <laughs> decluttering the old nail polish. So I, there are tons of resources online for decluttering. I've got a bunch of them on my website, but I suggest you stop spending, you declutter the frivolous stuff. And then at the end of the month, just see how that feels for you. Just try it on for size. Love it. We actually just released uh, an episode last week called How to Buy Nothing for a Year. Of course, <laughs> buying nothing for a year almost sounds impossible, but we did talk about all of these different challenges that people are now uh, taking on, especially as, you know, it's the beginning of the year. So like there is something like buying 20 in 2020, like buying only 20 pieces of clothing. Uh, there's, of course, a capsule uh, wardrobes that we've discussed as well. But I love um, when you said like like start with no spend month that's that's great it's very simple but it also will help you with understanding where you are standing right now isn't it oh yeah for sure and, <laughs> yeah in terms of what are you spending what are you buying uh, i think it's super powerful so can you tell me a bit more uh, in terms of like your no spending um challenge so do you not spend anything for a month literally or do you choose a specific category like no new clothes or no new cosmetics so there's different challenges that, mm -hmm. you know, different people take, but I, what I did and what I would recommend is no spend on anything that's not an essential item. So mm -hmm. you're not, you need lunch, right? But you don't need the $15 eating out lunch, right? So you could, you'll bring your lunch from home during this no exactly. spend challenge. You need coffee. If you need coffee, you make it at home. You don't go to Starbucks. Um, if you think you need a new sweater, you're going to either get one some by some other means maybe you maybe your sister is getting rid of a sweater uh so you take that off her hands or you're going to go ahead and you're going to wait until the end of the month so you're going to really just pause spending altogether i love it i love it yeah it gives you more creative ideas and you know it's easier than i think uh we think uh, it is um so next uh question we always ask to uh, ask our guests um can you share with us some of your favorite ethical brands and products and why? And it can be one um, or maybe three. And it can be in any space. I know you've covered a lot of, you have like the whole zero waste uh, brands uh, directory, but feel free to share, give a shout out to any of your favorite ethical brands right now. <laughs> Interesting question. Uh, <laughs> I will say that you know, because I do believe that buying should always be a last resort. I'm generally on my own platform hesitant to uh, 
shout out brands, but this is your platform. So I will go ahead. I will say that, uh, like generally though, my, my favorite ethical and eco-friendly products are the ones that are made in my local community by humans instead of corporations. So when I do buy, I first look locally. Um, beyond that though, I, I personally absolutely love Patagonia and I love what they're doing. I love their, uh, worn wear, um, line, I guess you could call it. It's where they take recycled clothing and they make new clothing out of it. Yes. Um, they have an amazing trade-in policy. So once your items have reached the end of their line, you can trade them in. And what I love about Patagonia is that they are making reuse and repair cool. Uh, nobody else is really doing that right, right now. Yeah. Um, and I just love that they make reuse and repair cool while also making durable and high quality products that have the environment as their number one priority. So I, I do love Patagonia in my personal life. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, we get we get a lot of uh, shout outs to Patagonia. And like, I'm literally going with my husband, uh, I think there tomorrow, we missed their sale. But, you know, ultimately, I, tr I trust that brand so much. Uh, it's almost it's not as important for me to get a sale from them, because I want to vote with their dollar and support what they're doing. Uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, you have a really cool directory of brands that I mentioned, and it's like home good brands. And it's like, it's almost like eco swap. Uh, can you talk about a bit about that you have like um you know examples is like instead of using plastic bags you use a silicon bag and uh, instead of using plastic tupperware you go use glass tupperware uh any um do you have any home goods product recommendations i know you had like recently a blog post about beeswax um wraps as well uh can you chat a bit about that yeah so a lot of my listeners reach out to me asking for my recommendations on, well, what is the best glass Tupperware uh, company <laughs> or what, you know, they're, they're trying to swap out the plastic. They're trying to swap yep. out the single use items with lasting quality items. And they're called zero waste swaps in the environmental community for anybody listening who doesn't know that. Um, and so I just started a list of stuff that, I use in my own home that I would recommend. So it ranges from anywhere from like kitchen stuff, like you can replace, um, you know, aluminum foil with a silicone baking mat, right? All the way to, you know, into the bathroom, you can use like, gosh, I don't know, <laughs> silk floss, which you can compost as opposed to the plastic floss. And um, yeah, so I just have a list on my website of um, the the reusable items that I use that replace the single use items. Great, great. Um, okay, Laura, uh, I I think we are ready for our final question, right? Yeah, for sure. So the thing we always like to end on with our guests is, you know, most of our guests have been really sort of at the forefront of what we're calling, you know, this ethical and sustainable lifestyle movement. Of course, it's been happening for years, but I do feel like we're at a an interesting inflection point right now. So Stephanie, I wonder if you could share with us a little bit about what excites you the most about this movement that we're witnessing right now. I love that question. And my answer is that I love that the environmental movement right now is at the cusp of becoming mainstream. So we're, we're at a really important point right now in 2020 and that 
the point we're at is really exciting. Um, I was really fortunate on my show to interview the CEO of Packed Apparel. His name is Brendan Sinnott. And oh, nice. he, yeah, he came on and he um, equated like the sustainable products movement with consumer awareness of cigarettes. And that probably makes no sense to anybody listening right now. But basically what he said was that in 2020, right now, when we look back on like the 50s and the 60s at how people just smoked with abandoned, we're kind of disgusted, right? Like what a terrible habit. I can't believe everybody did that. Mm -hmm. And we're at a turning point now in 2020 in which we're starting to look back at our over-reliance on plastics. And we're looking back at like the fashion industry's terrible reputation as major polluters. We're at a place right now in 2020 where we're looking back at all that and we're about to say, like, what were we thinking? And for me personally, as somebody who has made up my life's work to like work in this industry, it is so fascinating to step back and just watch public opinion start to change. It's like a tide moving in. And I can't wait to see, you know, where we're at in, in just five years. I love it. I love it. Uh, we like to say that, you know, sustainability is not a niche anymore. I think like, I feel like everyone uh, in this industry, including you and, uh, you know, the founder of Pact Apparel and a lot of our other friends, you know, we feel like we've been saying it for a few years now, right? But like now, like, as you said, we're at the cusp, we're seeing that happen. And like 2020, it's finally, um, we're seeing that. And um, yeah, every other brand I'm, I'm talking to, I, even people are not necessarily aware of, um, what sustainability truly means or what it can mean for their business everybody innately they know that they have to do it there is no option as a business consumers are not going to take you seriously and if you don't uh, care about the environment so it's, it's it's definitely exciting time for all of us to um live through it is. all right I think that's it, Stephanie. Uh, thank you so much for coming on to our podcast and sharing your knowledge. We really appreciate it. And uh, we'll keep listening to your podcast too. <laughs> Ditto. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Good Together. As always, you can get show notes and explore lots more content related to all things eco-friendly living by checking out brightly.eco slash podcast. And don't forget to join in on the conversation that's happening on our Facebook group. Simply search Good Together Ethical Shopping and it'll come up. You can also leave us a question through voicemail. The link is on brightly.eco slash podcast. If you're into social media, give us a follow on Instagram, Facebook, and all of the channels. Our username is brightly.eco. Finally, we want to leave you with a reminder. Every day is a chance for you to create change, and you're already covered for today since you joined us here on the podcast. Stay kind and live brightly.